give me a minute. The cat keeps coming back. She I don't care. Leave the cat in there. The cat will be funny. I don't want cats meowing on the podcast. I mean, we had dog talk last week, so why not have cats? Welcome to another edition of Third Degree, the podcast. This would be episode number 10 and marks the end of the first week of the 2019 FC Dallas slash MLS season. My name is Peter and we are doing this not in a studio, so I am reporting in from a distance far, far away. Um, and joining us, we do have our typical uh, panel of third degree soldiers, uh, Dan Crook. Our resident British person. How did Luton Town do? Uh, Luton Town, twenty-two unbeaten. Uh, couldn't get any better right now. I was going to say I'm calling in from a different kind of mothership, the kind that has probes. <laughs> you, and that's the mothership you prefer, obviously. Um, no. And the founder and uh, editor of Third Degree, the one, the only Buzz Carrot. Come in, Buzzard. Hello, Peter. Calling in today from Newcastle, where I've just watched Almiron play for my beloved Newcastle United. How's that going so far? Are you feeling pretty good about that? He's fantastic. He looks really good. He's uh, on pace for uh, right now, um, second in the league for chances created per minute played. So really exciting. Excellent. And the only news I have for everybody is uh, the Huntsman t-shirts are back on sale. Uh, we uh, uh, Mike Miller, who actually did the design, uh, put together an, an, an one of those print-to-order T-shirt stores. Um, and so you can actually create and make your own colors and combinations of Huntsman T-shirts, hoodies, men's, women's, children's, and then <laughs> there's all these ridiculous things you can put the logo on, like coffee mugs and throw pillows. So uh, we, uh, I think, Buzz, you've tweeted out the uh, link, haven't you, at net. Yeah, I tweeted it out today, and matter of fact, I bought a t-shirt today, so... Excellent. Uh, nice job putting that together. My favorite thing about it is watching, in, is is finding out what combination of t-shirt color and print people end up ordering, because you can get the logo either in white or in camouflage, um, and so I, I'm fascinated to see how that, that plays out. Now, I should also point out, before anybody bangs on me and claims that this whole Huntsman thing was nothing but a, a trick for me to make money... All of the proceeds that we uh, get from the sale of this stuff will go back to the FC Dallas Foundation like the initial run of shirts did, and I will get another awesome thank you card back from the foundation titled Dear the Huntsman. It'll be great. <laughs> you frame that. I did frame it. It's hanging up in my office in oh, my house. Fantastic. It's, it's yeah. pretty great. Okay, so uh, the first game came and went. It was a rainy, weird, cold day. Uh, the attendance was miserable, and I've got a note about that here in a little bit. Um, but are we in retrospect? Now that you've had some time to sit, maybe rewatch the game, think about what transpired, are we surprised by what happened in a 1-1 draw against New England? No, it's the first game of the season. You know, I, um, and historically, New England, historically, last year, New England liked to press, and this year they did not do that. They they did a tight, you know, four and four grouping with a high defensive line right in their midfield, and they made Dallas try and break them down um, with their own midfield, which is a new midfield. So that's where Dallas right now is struggling to put things together because they're, the pieces are new with each other. Some of them are new to be professional 
starters. Some of them are new to be to this club. So uh, it's a work in progress. It's not surprising that it bogged down a little bit. And um, it wasn't a terrible start. It was about what we should have expected. You predicted this, and it did come out to be true, that Ja'Cory Hayes got the start over uh, Paxton. Uh, and, yep. and and that kind of midfield trio of Hayes, Brian Acosta, and Grezo did appear to struggle to uh, produce any kind of consistent creativity uh, throughout the game. Uh, Lucci said on Wednesday, and this was in the practice report, that um, Acosta was still working on getting uh, in tune defensively with the team and was doing some things going forward. So they liked the Jacory combo as the slightly more defensive-minded player uh, paired with Acosta. So that was definitely a reaction to the newness of the group and the newness of having Acosta in there. Um, now, Jacory's picked up some tightness in his hamstring, uh, so he may is questionable at best for this, uh, this game this weekend, which even if he hadn't been hurt, the door would have been open for other players at that spot because the thing is still un- under construction, and Acosta has gotten a lot more in tune defensively this week uh, and so you may, they may be ready to try somebody with a more of an offensive flair, more of an eight ten hybrid like a Paxton Pomichol, for example. Although you can't rule out any other player in that grouping, Thomas Roberts, Brandon Cervania, or Edwin Cirillo. But uh, for me, the choices right now are going to be Jacory and Paxton. And given what happened last week, and given Jacory's tightness, uh, if I had to bet, I would absolutely bet Paxton Pomichol starts on Saturday. Dan, I wonder from your perspective if, like me, you thought watching the 2019 uh, FC Dallas, uh, you know, starting 11 and tactics and formation was amazingly and startlingly, startlingly different than anything else we'd seen from this club in the last uh, few years. I was kind of surprised how how different it actually looked and appeared, at least what they were trying to do. Definitely. Uh, there was always that uh, kind of fear that although, uh, you know, Lucci talked about the possession game, the high press, uh, the, the 4-3-3, the, there would be that lingering fear in the back of your mind of, you know, this is, this is MLS, this is playing against first teams. You know, aside from Seattle, everything was against reserve teams or lower level. Maybe we should just go to what we know what kind of worked last year, but, you know, he, he stuck with his guns, went with it. It was... Uh, you know, it was, it was unfortunate in, in some regards that, uh, you know, New England played, uh, kind of bogged the midfield down, often with, with six. Um, but it was an entertaining game of soccer. It, you know, it was for a, certainly for a, what should be a KG low-scoring affair in early season. It was, it was an entertaining game. And yeah. a good sign of things to come. I, I, I was, it did seem a little bit ironic that the goal and any other of the few good opportunities the team created did seem to come from um, uh, situations that were familiar to last year, either A, counterattacks, or B, a long ball over the top. Uh, obviously, that's where uh, the, the, the splitting ball to uh, Barrios that uh, created the one goal for Dallas came from. Other than that, there really wasn't a lot of uh, opportunity created with this new formation, and I really felt like, uh, minus that one moment, uh, uh, both Barrios and Mascara um, both were were pretty quiet throughout the game. And then, again, other than the one moment where he created the assist to kind of feed the ball to uh, Barrios on the header, Baji was really, really uh, kind of a ghost in the game. 
Yeah, he didn't run a high enough line, and FC Dallas in general didn't do a good enough job with penetrating passes and, and, and moves to try and break down that compact double uh, line that New England was running. Um, you know, so they had to revert to things that were good, which is over the top and, and, and counterplay and fast play. I, that'll be different against every team they play. Uh, the one thing I think is going to be really interesting is the first time they run into a team that high presses because the, the Dallas back four isn't necessarily the greatest passers in the world. They're not terrible, but they're not great either. And and Jesse, of course, in last year was horrible, although he was pretty good this first game. So that'll be the real test for me is if, if they can actually use their build out that Lucci wants to have against a pressing team or not. Yeah, the the other concern, uh, facing a team that is pressing and then also seeing how this team works through trying to figure out how to break down a packed defense like uh, New England was throwing out at them uh, on Saturday uh, will be interesting going forward because clearly the team's willing to hold the ball and pass back and forth and be very patient. There was a lot of that, you know, building out of the back and, and, and trying to do that. They just, they're never, they, they never seem to be able to find that ball to anybody at the front three. And I would also say, uh, at least from my van, and I didn't actually get to go to the game. I had to watch it on television. Uh, maybe you guys, since you were both there at the game, had a better view of this. I just never got the sense that anybody in the the front three was really working well to make the runs or get themselves into positions to kind of help out the middle three and that the middle three in a lot of instances were really struggling uh, to find those good opportunities to make uh, forward passes. I think that's definitely true. I think Paxton will help that if he's in there. I think Acosta will get better at that. Um, you, your outside backs, when they come forward, they're going to have to be good passers too because that's part of it in this system where all the width comes from the back. But the, I, you're definitely right about the high lines and, the, and the not getting enough uh, help from the wings too because they worked on that this week. I mean, so there was a recognition from the staff that that was the case. It isn't just all on the midfield. It's also from the front three too when you're facing a team that wants to pack, the, pack it in like New England did. There's also the... Uh... You know, the whole point of, uh, you know, if, if there's not a tra- more traditional, I guess, 10 profiles, as Lucci Professor put it, um, then Mascara is your main playmaker. You know, he, as you say, he, you know, he wasn't particularly effective in the game. Mascara is one of those players. He's either really hot or really cold. Um, you know, if Jokori does have to sit out and Paxton does come in, you know, you, you should see a lot more passing from the central areas. Should look a little bit neater. Are you guys in the same uh, area code with me on questioning the idea of this team running a 4-3-3 um, long-term over the course of the season? As I watched this game, um, my immediate thought at halftime was watching those three guys in midfield cover the amount of ground they had to cover in 45 minutes was exhausting to watch. And it was a cold, rainy day. I can't imagine how that's going to hold up once we start to hit, you know, uh, May into June and then obviously the summer months, July and August. Well, they're going to have to learn their rotations uh, defensively a little better. You know, the wings are going to have to help more. That's asking Barrios and Mascara to play a little defense. Your outside backs have to be a little bit better about stepping up at the right times. You know, it it's a team collective. The 4-3-3 does require good energy. It does require intelligent players. So, uh, it is a it is a big question mark. Uh, you know, it, as Lucci said, this is what they're trying first. So you know, we'll see how it goes. I, you know, I'm hopeful that it'll hold up. I mean, a key to it is going to be guys taking turns getting into the right 
places, you know, and it's, it's a key to that shape. It's, it's, it's kind of total footballish in that regard. You can't just sit in your base four, three, three and hope everything's going to go right. It's got to have that flexibility that Lucci talks about that, that shifting, that, that circling around that pivot guy in the middle. You know, if you don't have that, you're dead. Uh, anybody in particular, Dan, that really stood out for you in terms of a performance? Um, I was impressed. Uh, you know, I may think I've got seven heads saying it. I was I was impressed with uh, Brian Acosta for uh, early days learning the system. His positional awareness is just phenomenal. Um, times he didn't get the ball, he's in places to support. He's in places where you know if if the play is broken down, he's in the perfect position to get back and kind of uh, how Lucci says, you know, they want to press immediately and win that ball back as soon as possible that he was there. Um, I'm, you know, really uh, excited to see what <clears throat> what comes of it as he adapts to the, uh, to the FC Dallas system and kind of see, you know, if he can be that uh, kind of uh, highly rated player that, you know, everyone was raving about. Uh, and then uh, over at left back, Ryan Hollingshead, who is a, a character that we all love, uh, we certainly saw the double-edged sword of a midfielder uh, being asked to play a defensive position. And that, and and Buzz, I'm, I wonder after watching that game, do you feel like it's a function of just letting Ryan figure it out because you get some attacking bonus out of him you're not going to get out of Pedroso or is not going to get to the degree of uh, out of Pedroso uh, and that's so needed in this formation or uh, he is a bit of a liability on a on, and on a day where he probably will face much stronger uh, opposition than he did on Saturday um, it, it, it's a bit of a worry of his defensive liability part part of his game it's a bit of a worry. Um, you know, he's old enough now that he's likely not going to get significantly better as a defender. Um, there, there, it will be true that like if he does play the whole season, he will get better. That's certainly the case. A lot of that will be comfort. A lot of that will be Reto talking to him and helping him out. Um, he definitely made at least two clear big errors that, al- that almost led to one goal and was a contributing factor on the second goal. Although the second goal, I'm not the second goal, their actual goal. Uh, there was like six errors on that play, though, so that's not all on him. Um, he does give you some going forward, but he didn't give you enough going forward, actually, against New England. He was not as high as he needs to be. All of his touches were about near the midfield stripe. You know, He didn't penetrate into the final third like he needs to, like Reggie does on the opposite side. You have to balance that. R- Ryan's tendency is to cut inside, which is also Mascara's tendency. You know, and when you're going to play on Mascara's side, you really need to compensate for Mascara and your ability to get to the end and to, and to get balls in. You don't want a guy who only does that because Reggie on the other side is learning that he needs to cut inside too. But uh, so far, you're not getting enough out of Ryan going forward to justify uh, the defensive mistakes. Still a pretty good player, and it was a decent start, but there's no question that once Pedroso is 100%, which is getting really close. Uh, there's going to be a serious battle there between those two guys. And in the long run, I think it'll end up being Pedroso because of the defensive reliability and because he does have the ability to get to the end and, and support Mascara like Mascara needs to be supported. I don't know about you, Dan, but uh, I, I, there was a moment about halfway through the first half where my adoration and love and support for all of this new stuff going on was almost sealed tight when Reggie Cannon bombed 
uh, forward and a nice little sequence, and he had a great shot at the top of the box. If that had gone in, that would have been one of my favorite goals in this club's history. It was just a little off. I don't, I don't know if you remember that particular one, but uh, seeing fullbacks bomb forward out of the back like that is uh, one of my more favorite soccer moments. Definitely. Um, I think it's kind of, uh, I like uh, the way that they're kind of trying to balance the overlap and underlap for both wings. Uh, hopefully we won't see so many instances of Reggie and, and Mikey, you know, getting to the end line, not actually looking around, cutting a hard 90 degrees and allowing the uh, defenders to recover. Uh, seeing Reggie get central, be able to take that shot, seeing, uh, you know, Barrios being able to drift central, on his uh, long run for the goal, that's that's really encouraging. Um, One thing that they're not they're not worried about this year is they're actually okay with both outside backs getting forward at the same time. That's usually not something people like to have happen, but you know they're almost calling for that. Well, times. I would I would that's tell you if you if you actually watch the video, that happened a lot. In fact, they almost got caught two or three times. In yeah. fact, there was one sequence where ultimately the only uh, the only players that were back and they got caught on a counter were Hedges and Ziegler because Cannon and Hollingshead had both marched forward, and all three midfielders, including Grezo, were at least ten yards deep in New England's half of the field and it probably i'm sure lucci didn't feel like he had or he intended it to be organized that way well i'm sure there needs to be some recognition from the three midfielders that it's happening particularly grezzo but um you know they're definitely asking for the double overlap at the same time and there's there's never a uh a yell out in training of get back when the other guy's going it's definitely like look at that both are going you know they get excited <laughs> by it so all right, so uh, while let's we'll wrap up this game. Just wondering real quick, everybody, any, or either of you have a particular uh, opinion on uh, Lucci's debut as coach of the club? I think it was pretty much exactly as we expected. Uh, he's reacted to it in what seems like to me a positive manner, so I, I don't have any complaints about it. I mean, it's it was a young guy who was a little wide-eyed walking into it, you know, and got through it, and I think it was fine. Dan, do you think he should have made any subs faster, differently? Um, a, a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of he reacted a little bit late. Um, as he kind of said in his press conference, you know, if the game had been two, three minutes longer, he was convinced there would have been a second goal. Um, you know, and that, that that's recognition of making the sub a couple of minutes earlier. Uh, I think the the sort of uh, the reaction about uh, Arangis not getting uh, any time and not making the third sub, I thought I was a little bit overblown because you risk uh, losing the balance up th- up front. Uh, you know, you've already kicked your striker over to, to left wing uh, and, and let Jesus come in. So, you know, your only other course of action is to either uh, take a Costa off and try and move uh, Paxton out left no. We have Paxton or uh, or Arangis out left, and and then you're affecting the right wing, and Barrios always looks dangerous. A couple of off the field notes. I, I want to give credit to the Dallas Beer Guardians and El Matador for putting together a fantastic tifo. I thought it looked great. I know that it was limited in how high they got to uh, raise it due to the wind. Uh, the design was cool. The message was great, but it did lead me to wonder if maybe the beer garden should consider 
doing its own version of TIFO that allows it to eliminate the weather part of this because that seems to be a, a constant bugaboo for for beer garden TIFO. And I wonder if maybe instead of large scale giant pieces of material with something painted on it, the beer garden should shift to the very awesome um, Asian girls' school uh, organized card holding up designs. Okay, so our good friend John is a John Leonard is a huge uh, proponent of card displays. But the the thing is with the beer garden is you've got the Dallas Beer Guardians on one side, you've got El Matador way over on the east side, in the middle and to the west side. You've just got people who are really there because it's the cheapest beer in the stadium. They don't really get involved. They don't really that's, you know that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, Organized cord displays are so kick-ass, and it would be so unique and so different and so cool. There's got to be a way to pull that off. So what is cool this year is that FC Dallas went out and bought uh, like uh, the net that's behind uh, a field goal attempt. And they're actually going to do something like uh, Sporting Kansas City do, where they kind of cut their TIFO out and then raise it on that net. Hmm. That should hopefully alleviate the issues with the wind. All right. Well, uh, anyway, kudos to both those groups. I thought the TIFO was great. It was timely with the Captain Marvel bit. One last note about the game. This didn't get talked a lot because I think it was overlooked or it didn't get discussed because the weather seemed to be a very fair excuse for the really, really poor attendance on the day, Uh, although uh, D.C. had way worse weather and that place was 80% full. Um was this is that the number announced for attendance was about 14,300 and what that signifies isn't obviously people that showed up but those were tickets distributed sold and given away and I find it interesting that for a season opener even if the weather had been perfect with the minimal walk-up this club gets week in and week out they would have gotten less than 15,000 people there on opening day and depending on how this weekend works out, and let's say, assuming, you know, we'll talk about the Zlatan situation here in a second, if they struggle to get a full house for a Zlatan game, will that begin to be an indicator of market interest really waning on the club uh, because of all of the changes? I definitely feel like uh, there's a lack of buzz around this team, uh, not to make a joke about my name. Um, I, I've actually picked that up from several people that have commented about it. It, you know, the hardcore supporters are kind of buzzing because of Lucci's kind of fun. You know, a young team, that's kind of fun. But outside of, like, the hardcore, they're not reaching uh, uh, the casual audience very well. I mean, this league is blowing up with uh, much bigger budgets and much bigger famous players. And Dallas, in that terms, is getting left behind. I, I do think they've done a good job lately with a lot of sort of behind-the-scenes kind of looks at stuff. And there's been noticeably more reporters doing some stories and stuff that people we've never seen doing stories before. So I think they're kind of doing some good things, but there just isn't a vibe around this team right now that's getting much attention in the city of Dallas. I mean, the, the Mavericks have got Luka drawing a lot of attention. You know, the, the baseball's got a new stadium coming that's drawing a lot of attention. So I, I don't know that, it, that they're cutting through the noise. It, it may just be a really down year for attendance. Yeah, the proof is ultimately in the pudding, and and there are clear uh, indicators that, 
you know, people can watch that kind of tell its own story. I, I just thought that was one. So let's lead into this weekend. It is the LA Galaxy coming to town. Um, all of the club's marketing was focused on uh, Zlatan coming to town. The the club po- uh, posted a interesting video mock. Uh, video, uh, you know, pointing out that he says he was going to break all the records, yet he's nowhere near breaking any records and uh, blah, blah, blah. But then we got the news today that Zlatan has not practiced this week with the Galaxy. He's got an Achilles injury, and there's been at least one, if not two, reports that it is, quote, unlikely that he will come and play with the Galaxy this weekend, which would just mean that this club is cursed when it comes to things like weather and stars from other teams actually coming to town. Yeah, it's the timing is terrible from an SC Dallas sell tickets perspective, you know. But it's hard to know how uh, aggressively that plan is working, though. You know, I was able to pick up a ticket this week for, um, you know, without any trouble. So it's definitely not anywhere near sold out that I could tell. I, you know, it, again, the, getting people in the stands is a struggle for this club right now. You know, it's just last year they had the three or four games with the rain made them delay. And this year already we've seen the first game was impacted by that. And now the second game might be impacted by that. So by the weather on top of his lots on being gone. Yeah, I think the weather report for Saturday afternoon actually looks pretty good, but the Zlatan part of it uh, will certainly hurt late ticket sales for people that haven't bought so far. And I and I have no sense of, you know, I've not heard anything as to uh, how sales have been going so far. Yeah, I'm not privy to any information either. Um, but you know, usually they have, usually they send out those tweets or emails that say it's close to a sellout. You know, and and or not, we're not seeing those, so that's not a good sign. Um, but you know, I. Well, it's okay. The Galaxy are going to bring a team, and Dallas is going to play. And maybe it's perfect timing. Maybe Dallas will get a chance to work on their team shape and get better. You know, so that's okay. So the interesting news about the Galaxy is is that they signed Joe Corona uh, from uh, oddly enough Tijuana, where Oscar is. He's uh, uh, a, kind of an attacking midfielder uh, from the U.S. Men's National Team. A lot of people really like this guy, and reports are is that he's ready to go and may actually play this weekend uh, and be and, and be able to go. So with uh, some different injuries, we should probably go over the different injuries and what we think we'll end up seeing from the Galaxy this weekend. Well, based on the injury report, uh, as Dan mentioned earlier, Alessandri's going to be out. Um, Janino's probably out. Kitchen's out. Leggett is out. Um, and now Zlatan's probably out. So they're going to get uh, Corona if they want him. Like, I don't know if I would throw him on five days after he signs, but I guess they could. So really, you, the, the question is going to be, can DeSantos do enough in the midfield and can whoever places Zlatan score goals? So, I, you know, their defense is not particularly good. I mean, I, maybe it's supposed to be better, but last year it was pretty terrible. So I I don't know that they've turned that defense over enough to be able to say that it's now great. So it's a it's a I don't think that you're looking at a great Galaxy team coming in here. This is a game that you need to be able to put away. And uh, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, Efren Alvarez uh, gets a start or a lot of time? You know that's their new now uh, very hyped up, uh, much talked about. 
midfielder, 16 years old. Man, he put on a move in the box the other day and created an assist uh, for one of their goals. He's a really exciting young player. Greg Berhalter uh, was forced to spend uh, quite a bit of his uh, press conference this week talking about how they're going to try to get him to come play for the United States versus Mexico. Uh, it would be interesting, would it not, if we end up seeing an MLS game featuring 16-year-olds, a 17-year-old like Thomas Roberts, or even 18, 19-year-olds like Paxton and other FC Dallas youngsters. Well, if, if I'm a coach, I don't know that I would start Efron on the road, but um, I certainly would bring him, you know, particularly if you're banged up anyway, bring him along and see how the game goes and maybe put him in late. Um, you know, if, if Paxton's in and Ja'Cory can't play, then you're almost certainly going to have somebody like Thomas Roberts or, or Evan Cirillo on the bench. Uh, you know, it could be fun to have that kind of setup going. Buzz, as you've uh, been to practice this week, are there is there going to be any significant uh, adjustments? Obviously, with the Ja'Cory Hayes injury, it's likely that Pax will start. You mentioned that earlier, but yeah, are you that's... anticipating any kind of like tactical adjustments at this point? No, they're still in a phase where um, they're learning the system. You know, it's at this point, it's about improving their own shape, improving their own rotations, improving their own runs going forward, how they break teams down. They're all still in the learning process of learning Lucci ball. So they're not to the point yet where they're going to drastically try and change something for the other team when they're still trying to learn it themselves. There are some guys that are pushing for playing time. I don't think there's anybody uh, upsetting the, the lineup this first time other than the one Jakuri Paxton question mark. You know, Pedroso, I think maybe he's not quite there yet. Um, Bresson is certainly close to challenging both Hedges and or Ziegler, but there's no reason to take out one of those guys just because Bresson happens to be pretty decent. Um, obviously, um, a lot of people would like to see a Rongis. I, I honestly don't think he's very close to playing. Um, Mascara's got that position pretty much on lockdown, and Arangis, for me, his body language isn't great in training. I mean, that may be disrespectful possibly to the guy, but um, I don't see a guy that's killing it to get back into the lineup. Um, and other than that, Grezzo's a lock, Acosta's a lock. So, I mean, that's that's what we're looking at right now is improvement by time, improvement by learning each other still, getting the shape right, some tactical tweaks that are just part of the process of using that formation. Nothing crazy going on. Do you think uh, Pablo is reading the writing on the wall in terms of now he's on a team that's just playing a formation that he's not built for? A little bit, but he's also young, you know, and so like he's not seeing PT around the corner, so he's probably frustrated, you know what I mean? It, Paxton went through it last year some, and obviously with Lucci being the coach now, Paxton's super regenerized, regener- I blew that word. Rejuvenated? rejuvenated or energized. I put those two words together and it did not go well. Um, obviously he feels really positive about where he is, even though he didn't start the first week, he still knows that his coach knows him and he knows he's on the cusp of being getting a lot of playing times. Whereas Arangis, the opposite has just happened. The coach that brought him here is gone. So now he's got this other guy. He doesn't know, you know, and he's not, he doesn't quite fit the system and he probably can see that he doesn't fit the system. Mascara is playing really, really well or training really, really well. You know, and looked like he was the best player on the team. And for a lot of ways, it almost is his team in the offensive sense. You know, so Arangis has got to be frustrated. And, and he's not close to being able to play. So it's only going to get worse. And, um, you know, a young guy kind of doesn't respond well sometimes. So maybe, hopefully he will. 
he doesn't he's not a bad player. I don't 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 take that from what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't see a player that's out there busting his tail trying to win a spot. You know, he's just kind of training. So Dan, you got a prediction for this weekend? I don't do predictions. If I do, FC Dallas lose. Well, then why don't you predict that they lose? <laughs> uh, I'm, I've also given that up for Lent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were of that uh, that particular faith. Uh, uh, happy Lent to you. Uh, Buzz, are you any other uh, particular notes uh, that people should be looking out for uh, on, on the game on Saturday? Uh, nothing specifically beyond the fact that you'll see further impl- implementation, we hope, of what Lucci's going to be wanting his system to be. You know, I've, this game is going to be in a lot of ways about what Dallas is doing uh, internally. You know, it's you can only prepare so much for the other team, especially when Zlatan is or is not showing up. That could really change their team. So most of the talk, I think, will be around what are we doing? How are we showing you know, and we'll have to keep an eye on that and maybe maybe get a sub in a few minutes early. Okay. Early. Um, so that game kicks off at 2.30 at Toyota Stadium. Uh, another game, two games in a row I don't get to go to because we're on the radio with the kick around at the same time. So, uh, boo-hoo. Uh, so, uh, I, I do think, you know, we have, if for anybody that's been watching Major League Soccer, hell, any sport, first week games always tend to be sloppy and weird and the opening week for MLS was certainly uh, fell into that category. So many draws over the weekend. Uh, I think there was out of the uh, nine games or ten games, there was, what, five draws, four draws out of that. Um, any yeah. particular uh, standout performances for either one of you? Dan, anybody in particular or team in particular that really uh, stuck out for you, good or bad? Uh, not really. I mean, it's so tough to sort of take too much away from the first few weeks look at uh last season houston beating uh atlanta 4-0 on the opening day of the season we'll look where both of their seasons ended up i have one i thought darwin quintero was fantastic from minnesota and that was a Uh, very good road win for a team that (laughs) didn't win on the road very often last year yeah he actually got my vote for player of the week uh mine too i thought he was quite good so um you know, that was the only I agree with you that usually you throw out week one results. And actually, in the case of FC Dallas, I'd throw out the first month. Uh, you know, when you got a new rookie coach trying to get his team on all on the same page with, with, a, with the midfield, a completely new construction. Uh, you know, I, I would not worry about Dallas results for quite a while. But um, first week, uh, that was the one that jumped out for me, Darwin Quintero. And then also um, – Tim Howard had a really good game, believe it or not, for Colorado. He had five really good saves. I mean, he let in three, but he also made five great saves, so it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Yeah, there's a. I have a conspiracy theory in my head that that was a game that everybody knew they should have never played because of the amount of snow and the temperatures, uh, but all of the mucky mucks in New York knew it would make for fantastic replays and highlights on ESPN, so they said, screw it, we're playing it no matter what. Yeah, with the orange ball and the snow and all that stuff. Uh, oh, there it, was, was, it was good good, good TV. I, I suppose so. Now, you know, to your point about new construction, new teams, new coaches and players, so do we think Seattle super kicks ass now that Jordan Morris is scoring again and back and healthy, or is that just because they played a brand-new expansion's FC Cincinnati? They played FC Cincinnati, who might uh, push the record for one of the worst expansion teams ever. 
I mean, it's nice to have Morris back, and it certainly will help them. But um, you know, and they're they're a good team. They're one of the better teams in the West. But Cincinnati is absolutely terrible. So uh, that's not. <laughs> that's that's just the nature of that game. The bigger question is Atlanta with uh, their new coach and the meltdown they're going when they haven't won a game yet in four tries. Yeah, Frank DeBoer has a, a, a interesting uh, track record, and his in, his insistence of playing a three four three is it does is somewhat reminiscent of the sorry situation at Chelsea. Will be interesting to see how long he uh, tries to stick with that. That's a tough formation. I'm not a big fan of that formation. I, 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 it can work if you have really good outside mids, but uh, they're not getting a whole lot out of their midfield right now. It doesn't look like and and. They're they're big on up front. Mr. Mr. Martinez just looks a little out of sorts. So well, we'll see. I I will also say, and I don't know, Dan, if you were here back in the day, a lot of the comments that you are seeing out of Atlanta about Breck Shea certainly feel familiar to when uh, Breck Shea was playing in Dallas, specifically his last year uh, when he wasn't um, in you know mentally all here and and playing his best. Not wrong. Uh, you know, as soon as everyone said. Yeah, Brick Shea's not. Uh, doesn't seem like he's completely uh, dialed in, and you know he's a defense. He's a, a liability defensively. Like, yeah, y- yeah, we we remember <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, Brick Shea. Well, he's a physical specimen, so playing that position and being asked to run a hundred yards up and down, uh, you know, twenty-five his times a game. His hair is a specimen. It, that's true. His hair is a specimen. Very good. Okay, uh, any other notes that we've forgotten about anybody wanted to talk about uh, before we get off this stupid thing? We might have some uh, something in the neighborhood of T-shirts coming from Third Degree as well pretty soon, so keep an eye out for that. Excellent. Who wouldn't love a... Will, will, will you uh, reprint the famous Dave Durr quote T-shirt again? Oh, yeah, the original T-shirt is being offered in that uh, selection. Uh, there's a couple more shirts that'll have couple other sayings and phrases from some other famous FC Dallas, Dallas Burn coaches. So All right, I think people will like the selection. For the pod listener who is not familiar, what could you please recite the famous Dave Durr quote that you put on T-shirts? Uh, he said, anyone who tells me soccer is boring, I'll punch him in the face. <laughs> I love Dave Durr. Yeah. Okay, thanks, guys. Well, uh, let's see how it goes this weekend as uh, Dallas takes on the Galaxy with or without Zlatan. And uh, I suppose maybe if things go right, we'll do another one of these next week. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you then on Third Degree, the podcast. 